Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. The voice you're hearing is but one, just one of your co-hosts for this podcast. This is Misty Stinnett. And across the ether from me, who's been beaming up and down to satellites and back down to Earth via image and software algorithm, science, is your other co-host and tiny pocket friend, Lisa Linky. And I want you to know that we started, quote unquote, recording this episode about five minutes ago. And then I realized five minutes in, I hadn't actually hit record. <laughs> so okay. that's how... It's okay. And I need all of you to know that Misty was like, it won't be the same. And I was like, yes. And that's a okay. Misty, that one was just for us. One for us, Thank one you. for them. Let's do it for them. I sang the Backstreet Boys and we did a whole, th- anyway, who can care? Welcome back. This is the self-help podcast where we release two episodes a week, and one of those is Big Behemoth Book Review on Fridays, where we read a popular self-help book, and we share the main points and sort of a summary and a critique, and we give you the highlights and the lowlights and the medium lights and all of Say the it. feedback. Say it. The balayage. The balayage. To which, during the non-recorded <laughs> intro, I said, excuse me, tengo una pregunta, uh, como dit-on balayage en, uh, en, en anglais? And she explained to me that the highlights that I received from my very talented uh, colorist are indeed balayage. They're just blonde highlights that are painted in, hand-painted. That's all. Mm-hmm. We give you the ombre effect of self-help. Listen, our ladies who <laughs> get their hair colored. no, so wonderful and can end so poorly. And a bright white flash of pain. And so anyway, this is not that episode. This is our Tuesday episode. It is where we explore anything and everything self-help that's not a book. So articles, guests. We mentioned trivia in every introduction, but we haven't done trivia in a long time. We're overdue for some trivia. And as Lisa just sang to us, we call it the weekly beef and we love it. Mm -hmm. So something else we do is we check in on homework. And Lisa, I assigned you homework. Our very last episode was So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And he talks about He has this really liberating philosophy that we can all find and create work that we love without a pre-existing passion, which is such a liberating idea. And you specifically are someone who went from a corporate job with lots of benefits and um, money. Thank you. Why did my brain melt? No, you were looking for a polite way to say it, and I just said it for you. <laughs> no, I literally was like, what else does a corporate job offer? And like, could not come money. up with anything. Money, 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 money. But something that Cal Newport says is important in finding work we love is having autonomy and control. So we decide what we do and when we do it to a certain extent, and that increases our work happiness. So as someone who is has transitioned from a corporate employee to someone who is a freelance and working artist full-time, or as you say, craftsperson, I wanted you to report back on your experience. Did you, what did you experience when you gained more control or autonomy? Did you, did you have the career capital? What happened? Yeah. So there definitely is a, an immediate sense of autonomy, which is a delight. And then I, I think that 
academics work in a realm where they do have autonomy, especially if they have tenure, right? And they don't, academics don't know what it's like to work in corporate (laughs) America or truly to be entrepreneurs. They're in their own unique situation. So what he's describing is true, although unless what you are starting in your kind of independent venture is immediately capitalized on and you're in such high demand, you know, like if Michael Phelps said, I'm starting um, private swim lessons for kids or for high school athletes at a reasonable rate, he would have more work than he wanted, right? Oh my God, uh, instantly. And even if he did it at unreasonable rates, there would still be you know, swim teams around the country that would fly him in. He'd make millions of dollars. Yeah. That being said, you know, if you don't have a lot of money to cush on, like you aren't that autonomous, you are autonomous in the work that you do, but you are not autonomous in the work that you can refuse. Yes. Because you have to have money coming in. So, um, you know, like just today I, I have to work on an on, on audition for a project that do I, would I like to take if it comes? No, because it's across the country and I will have to travel in a few months and live there for a couple of weeks. And that is not something that I personally feel comfortable doing, but I have not worked since February. So I mm-hmm. have to earn money. So like it is, it's, I think it's the grass is always greener. You know, do I want to go back to working in corporate America? No. Would I love to have guaranteed pay and benefits? Um, yeah. But you know, yeah. it's just, this is, this is the dichotomy that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, but I will say that having career capital, like, um, knowing how to interface with clients, knowing how to draft communication, knowing how to set boundaries, knowing how to, you know, bill and do invoicing and things like that. You can learn it on the fly, but having to do something under pressure is not fun. Um, and it feels like the, the pressure adds. So having a lot of that stuff and knowing that stuff really made my life much easier when I was contracting work independently and saying, great, let me send you over a statement of work. Great. Let me send you over an invoice. Great. You know, like that made it much, much easier. And just knowing having confidence and comfortability talking to people and being able to state to, to request money and state my worth that, that, that was invaluable. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you were able to successfully ultimately make the leap because you did so when you had these skill sets, right? You learned a lot of skill sets. Financial privilege. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, something that I didn't really cover in that book is he says, don't make the leap until you have skill sets people are willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. So it's really, he talked about this one guy who for a time was a professional musician. He quit his job at Warner Brothers and then became a professional musician. But when you get down to the nitty gritty of his story, he did not quit his job at Warner Brothers until he was making more money as a musician at night and on the weekends. So it's really interesting. Oh, become a professional musician? <laughs> uh, well, no, I became an improviser, which gets paid nothing. So yeah, I had yeah. to supplement my work doing other, other corporate work, you know, um, yeah, at, using my skill sets as an improviser, but like it took a long time, but I had the financial privilege to do so. So yeah. I was able to kind of save up that money and live off. And I had a roommate who was paying my mortgage. Like it, I had a lot of benefits. Amazing. And thank you for sharing those details. I think to wrap it all up, it, again, feels liberating to me because when we get these anecdotal stories that someone quit an amazing job and then cut to them 10 years later, and like you, they were just on bless this mess for eight to 10 episodes or or whatever that looks like. 
it can make me as a reader go, Oh my God, like I'm not doing that. What am I doing wrong? But to hear like, I made this leap and I had this in place and then I acquired this skill and then it was a slow yeah. burn. Then I go, Oh, I feel liberated that I could do it too. So yeah, thank yeah, yeah. You. Welcome. Thank you for asking me to do that homework. Misty, Ooh. I have an article today. Lay it on me. I love an article. Do you know what a fuck off fund is? Hold on. This rings a bell. I've heard of this before. I feel like it is a little bit of money stashed away so that you can either quit a terrible job or go on a vacation. It is the former. And it's uh, to quit a terrible job or be able to leave a situation. So Got it. it's not, it's not, I'm going to go fuck off around Europe for a few months. <laughs> I wish. Um, so that's called a, that's called a, a trust fund. Um, oh, real quick. Yeah. I forgot to timestamp the episode at the top. Oh. It is currently September 2nd. Yeah. And so if the world looks very different when you're hearing this episode and the sounds tone deaf, it's because we recorded this in the past and you're time traveling with us back to the past. And in the future, women aren't allowed to control their money. Okay. So here's <laughs> how this goes. So when uh, uh, I was younger, my dad started an account for my brother and I equally. And he said it was a, it was an investment account. And he said, this is your fuck off fund. And my mom was like, Charles, right? Like, don't. <laughs> and, um, I was like, well, what is that for? And he was very explicit. And this was when I was in high school. He was very explicit. He said, this is so if you ever have a manager who harasses you, you don't have to stay in that job. You can tell him to oh fuck off and walk God. out and have the safety and security to do that. And so wow. I am very forthcoming of the fact that I have financial privilege in this respect, right? My father worked his way uh, up to being prosperous and was very equally, he treated my brother and I equally in this respect, like, and, mm. and you know, we had our college education paid for, so I haven't had student loans. So I am incredibly financially privileged, but something that a fuck off fund is really important. I think, especially for women, because there is often so much sexual harassment in the workplace and yes. mothers uh, often or single mothers cannot afford to leave. They cannot afford to report it because they fear retribution on their job. So I'm going to read yeah. this article called the story of a fuck off fund. It's from the billfold.com link in show notes. It's from 2016 by Paulette Perhatch or Perhock, however you say it. And it's got a picture of Joan from that Mad Men. Love it. Before I read this article, I just want to say there are some references to sexual harassment and physical assault. So here's your trigger warning. And if you need to stop listening now, go right ahead. We value you and trust your judgment. It says, you're telling your own story. You graduated college and you're a grown-ass woman now. Tina Fey is your hero, Beyonce your preacher. You know how to take <laughs> care of you. You've learned self-defense. If any man ever hit you, you'd rip his eyes out. You've seen mad men. And if anyone ever sexually harassed you at work, you'd tell him to fuck right off, throw your coffee in his face, and wave two middle fingers as you marched out the door. Yeah, you would. You get your first internship. 
you get your first credit card. You get to walk into Nordstrom where your mom would never take you and congratulate yourself with one fabulous black leather skirt and the heels to match. Your car, it's the car of a college student. You get a lease, graduate from the rusted Civic to last year's Accord. You get your first student loan bill and look at all those numbers. Your life turns into a stock photo tagged, quote, young professionals. You and your new work friends hanging out at the bar across the street from the office. The cocktails cost twice as much as you paid when you still measured time by semesters and nights by cans. Why is that? Why does a martini cost like $18, $19 now in California? When I was in college, it was like $7.50 for premium. It still costs $7.50 in, in college just because you can afford it now. Oh. The college boyfriend gets serious. You move into his place, spruce it up by buying your first coffee table together. Ikea lets you put half on your newest credit card. Your internship ends before you find a permanent job. You pay minimum payments, then max out your cards again, buying two days worth of groceries and filling your gas tank halfway. Your bank app upgrades to a new feature that combines all your balances. That shiny Nordstrom card with the Visa and the Chase Freedom you were only supposed to use for emergencies and tells you that somehow you owe people $7,000. Your boyfriend offers to cover the rent for a while. You get a job a few months later, but you're that many loan payments behind. Your first paycheck feels like a breath of fresh air that gets sucked right out of your lungs. Your new boss, who seems nice, calls you in his office, shows you a picture of his kids. He jokes about his son. And then as you're laughing, he puts his hand on your arm and gives you a little squeeze. You smile it off. You wait to pay the electric bill while you're gathering up the half that you owe and the lights go out. On your phone, you see the email about the $50 late fee. Your boyfriend asks how you could be so stupid. I am not stupid, you say. You would never be with someone who calls you names, but you would never be able to make first, last, and deposit right now either. You say yes to payday PF Changs with your new coworkers because you want to make friends. Your turkey sandwich sounds boring, and what's one more charge? You buy a halter dress you know you can't afford because it makes you look like the successful young woman you want everyone to think you are. Your boss tells you you look nice in that dress, asks you to do a spin. Just to get the moment over with, you do. Your boyfriend asks you how much you paid for it, says it makes you look chubby. You lock yourself in the bathroom until he bangs on the door so hard you think he must have hurt himself. After he falls asleep, you search Craigslist for places and can't believe how expensive rent's gotten around town. Mm. You erase your internet history and go to sleep. A few weeks later, your boss calls a one-on-one in his office, walks up behind you and stands too close. His breath fogs your neck. His hand crawls up your new dress. You squirm away. He says, sorry, I thought, you know what to do. You're just shocked to find you're not doing it. You are not telling him to fuck off. You are not storming out. All you're doing is math. You have $159 in the bank and your car payment and your maxed out credit cards and you'll die before you ask your dad for a loan again. And it all equals one thought. I need this job. It's okay. You hear your voice saying, just forget it. You scurry out of the room, survey the office half full of women, and wonder how many of them have secrets like the one you're about to keep. At the apartment, your best guy friend calls. After you hang up, your boyfriend says you laugh too much with him, that you're flirting with him, probably sleeping with him. You say, it's not like that. You yell, he yells, you try to leave, he blocks your way. When you struggle to get by, he grabs your wrist in the exact way they pretended to in self-defense class, and you know to go for the eyes, but you don't know how to go for his eyes. He yanks you back until you fall and crack the coffee table. He seems so sorry. He cries even. So that night you lie down in the same bed. You stare up at the dark and try to calculate how long it would take you to save up the cash to move out. Telling yourself that he's sorry, convincing yourself it was an accident, discounting this one time because he didn't hit you exactly, seems much more feasible than finding the money with what you owe every month. 
The next time you go out as a couple, his arm around your shoulders, you look at all the other girlfriends and imagine finger-sized bruises under their long sleeves. Wait, this story sucks. If it were one of those choose-your-own-adventures, here's where you'd want to flip back, start over, and rewrite what happens to you. Yeah. You've graduated college and you're a grown-ass woman now. Tina Fey is your hero, Beyonce your preacher. If any man ever hit you, if anyone ever sexually harassed you, you tell him to fuck right off. You want to be, no, you will be the kind of woman who can tell anyone to fuck off if a fuck off is deserved. So naturally, you start a fuck off fund. To build this account, you keep living like you lived as a broke student. Drive the decade-old Civic even after the fender falls off. Buy the thrift store clothes. You waitress on Saturdays, even though you work Monday through Friday. You make do with the garage sale coffee table. It's hard. Your loan payments suck, but you make a girl's night an at-home thing and do tacos potluck. You save up a fuck-off fund of 1000 2000 3000 then enough to live half a year without anyone's help. So when your boss tells you that you look nice, asks you to do a spin, you say, is there some way you need my assistance in the professional capacity or can I go back to my desk now? When your boyfriend calls you stupid, you say, if he ever says that again, you're out of there and it's not hard to imagine how you'll accomplish your getaway. When your boss attempts to grope you, you say, fuck off, you creep. You wave two middle fingers in the air and march over to HR. Whether the system protects you or fails you, you will be able to take care of yourself. When your boyfriend pounds the door, grabs your wrist, you see it as the red flag it is. Leave a post-it in the night that says, fuck off, lunatic douche. You stay up in a fancy (laughs) hotel room, drinking room service champagne, shopping for apartments, and swiping around on Tinder. Once your fuck off fund is built back up with your new job, better job, you pay cash for most, the most badass black leather skirt you can find, upgrade to the used but nicer convertible you've always wanted, and start saving to go to Thailand with your best friend the next summer. Yes, that's a better story. It's a story no one ever told me. It's the kind I'd hope for you. And then she has, (laughs) she has an image of, um, from her chase app bank accounts, total checking available balance, $438 65 cents, total fuck off fund, 2,968 and 29 cents. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That was a devastating article that scared the shit out of me. You know? Yeah. It scared me too to think of all the people who don't have the privilege that I carry. And if, if you're like me and you have financial privilege, there are a lot of um, organizations that you can donate to, like the Time's Up movement that also has specifically for like domestic workers who don't have these kind of protections for when they seek har- harassment. Yeah. They need help. They need help. Yeah. And I think, you know, we do not have enough time to cover it, it with the respect it deserves in this weekly beef. But again, it touches on women who are in abusive situations, people always go, well, why did she stay? Like, it's her fault if she stayed with him. And it's like, but when you consider factors such as what the author just laid out, you understand that sometimes it's a decision between your physical safety and homelessness, right? So thank you for that article. Thank you for that reminder. That makes me want to be like, I'm going on a spending moratorium to see what else I I can add to my fuck off fund. Yeah. I just want to say we talk a lot on this podcast about 
we cover finance books and we talk mm-hmm. about an emergency fund, but I do think that a fuck off fund is needed and separate for women because they are easily victimized in terms of finances. And it's, it's very easy for them to be unable, especially right now, if you had to provide first months and last, I couldn't, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I can because I have a fuck off fund, but I'm able right now, you know, to stay where I am. And I'm not in the situation where I have to leave, you know, but I think it's important. Absolutely. And I actually had a therapist tell me recently Hey, specifically for women, you need to have your own separate bank account. Mm-hmm. You can combine mm-hmm. finances with your partner, et cetera, to a certain degree, but you always need, she said, I've just seen it too many times mm-hmm. to ever not advise a client who's a, a woman or identifies as a woman to have their own. She didn't call it a fuck off fund, but that's what she was saying. And then on the other side, I just want to encourage people to look into voting for progressive candidates who will at some point help manage the student debt crisis, which is at $1.4 trillion right now. And I think adversely affects women because of the wage gap. We then get into the workforce. We don't make as much. And then people wonder why women have more student loans and we get less small business loans by an alarming margin. It's true. Lisa, thank you for that really poignant and helpful reminder, somber, but like, this is why we cover so many financial books. It's a huge part of, of being able to use self-help and also self-help's a misnomer. Nobody does anything alone. Thanks. Thank you. And with that, may your fuck off fund be abundant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye!